0: So, The Table. We have been talking now for, this is the fourth week that we have been in this series called The Table. And in week one, we said that The Table is a place, and specifically The Table here at Stuttgart Harvest Church, uh, the table that we have laid out for our guests. We've had the the table stuff, we've, we've got a lot of stuff that some people may have on their table. I know our family doesn't have anything quite you that have, ornate on our table. You have little kids. We do. One in particular, that would not appreciate <laughs> that. Um, uh, but we we talked about how, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we have a table laid out for our guests where people of all different backgrounds and all different uh, you know, different race, different socio economic background, you name it, they can all come to our table to be spiritually fed. And we've, kind of asked the question, or we've posed the question several different ways over the course of the last few weeks. And we've said, what is it that we are trying to tell the people who come and sit down at our table at Stuttgart Harvest Church? What are we trying to tell them? What are we trying uh, to get across to them when they sit down at our table here at Stuttgart Harvest Church? So, if over the course of the last few weeks we haven't been as clear as maybe we should have been, This morning, right now, I want to be crystal clear as to what the answer to that question is. Anyone that sits down at our table at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we are trying as best we know how um, to help people connect eternally in a relationship with Jesus.
1: You know, when we see in the New Covenant, it talks about believing in Jesus. That's what it talks about. We hear that, believe in Jesus, okay, and we think to ourselves so often, yeah, yeah, I I believe in Jesus, so yeah, that's me. But here's something we find in the New Covenant. Now, what we mean by believing and what Jesus means by believing are usually two different things. They're not the same thing because... According to the New Covenant and Jesus in the New Covenant, what we find is that for him, believing is not just agreeing mentally to these things uh, that we read in the, in the New Covenant. It's not just agreeing about this doctrine saying, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not just believing that Jesus really did exist. It's not that. It's not just believing. Because according to Jesus... It's not just like memorizing these historical facts that we find in in the Old Testament and the New Testament and thinking that they really did happen.
0: So basically what you're saying is that believing is not um, a casual acknowledgement. Is basically what we're trying to say. It's not a casual acknowledgement of God. Uh, It's not casually recognizing that Jesus is God's only son. That's really not the definition or the example that Jesus is trying to get across when he uses the term believing in him. Uh, Believing is really not a selfish, uh, me-seeking God trying to figure out ways that he can, you know, do things for me. It's not really kind of like this Santa-Jesus relationship. Um, It's not looking into Scripture and finding places where uh, we look for what's in it for us. Uh, It's not Uh, trying to find ways where we ask and then we just expect it to happen. It's really not that type of a casual acknowledgement when we talk about believing in Jesus. We have to understand that what Jesus is talking about, when he's talking about becoming a follower of him, a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean that our lives are going to get any easier. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden when we choose to become a follower of Jesus, that things happen the way that we want them to happen.
1: So we really have to come to terms with this fact. In that first century, those followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, did not have easy lives. They suffered, and many times, God did not take that suffering away from them almost all of those early followers of Jesus, that we call them the disciples, they died, almost all of them, martyrs' deaths. And ultimately, God did not intervene to save them from those horrible deaths that they experienced. But yet, in America, we have a tendency to believe or to think That if we choose to follow Jesus, then he's going to eliminate our suffering and he's going to take away our sicknesses and in replace of that, he's going to give us better health and he's going to give us more wealth if we follow him. All of that in the place of sickness and suffering. But
0: that's just not what the New Covenant says. That's not when we look at the New Covenant at the, what many people would call the New Testament, that's not the picture that we get. That's, that's not the story that it tells. There we actually find sacrifice. We, we find a ton of sacrifice. We, we read over and over and over where it says, the, the New Covenant says things like um, denying ourselves. Uh, the New Covenant says over and over again things like uh, picking up our cross, which you've got to remember that for the people that when in this time period when the new covenant was written, that symbolism of the cross was actually a device of torture. It was, it was at the top of as being a device of torture. And so it's almost like us reading and saying, picking, pick up your device of torture when it says pick up your cross and following Jesus. Very opposite of what you know 21st century american culture would say about being a follower of Jesus everything's going to get be good everything's going to be right the new covenant actually says something very opposite in fact really when it you look at it rationally and you think what's what would be the reason for following Jesus why would i go through the suffering um why would it make sense to go through the sickness and through the pain And through the hurt that this world has, why would I do that? Why would I choose to follow Jesus? If the new covenant says it's not going to probably go well if I choose to follow Jesus. And it's because the who, Jesus, makes the what worth it.
1: Yeah. Um, With all of this following that Jesus is calling us to do, to follow him, in that following we still can't earn his favor with that following. He gives it to us freely. He chooses to give us that. We still cannot earn by following him. We cannot earn a place with him. That's something he is giving us. He's choosing to give us. You see, trying to earn it, that's what religion tries to do. Religion tries to earn God's love, and religion tries to, to help man to earn a place with God. But the problem is, while religion tries to do that, it fails every single time. There is not one instance where religion has worked to earn someone a place with God or to earn God's favor. It's never worked. It's never happened religion tries to do that and fails because it's impossible to earn a place with God.
0: Then if that's the case, the question is, how do we connect with God if not through religious behavior or through good deeds? Mm-hmm. So if religious behavior and good deeds have nothing to do with connecting with God and having a relationship with God, then what? What's the purpose? How do we do that? Um, And really, how does that affect us at Stuttgart Harvest Church? What do we tell people when they sit down at our table? When they come to Stuttgart Harvest Church, as we have people that have done this morning at our 9.30 worship experience, at our 11 o'clock worship experience, watching us on Facebook Live, listening to us on SoundCloud during the week, as they sit down at our spiritual table, what do we tell them how to connect with God? Because it would be a mighty, mighty frustrating thing to live a life where where we do all of the right religious things in our life and in our past and not earn a single point with God and not earn His favor.
1: Yeah. So let's look back at some of God's history to kind of help us through this process of understanding this. So here's where we're going to pick it up. God um, selected this man named Moses... To have Moses follow him, follow God, and to to lead this nation of Israel out of some horrible, horrible slavery. God was going to take them to their freedom. And so they escape from Egypt, and as soon as they do, they're so excited, (laughs) they start to complain.
0: Over 400 years, the Israelites have been enslaved. Okay, so, so, to get the context a little bit, the Israelites have been enslaved in bondage for over four hundred years, and over the duration of that four hundred years, they've basically been asking God, begging God, deliver us from this enslavement, deliver us from this bondage, get us out of here, save us from our misery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, after over four hundred years of enslavement, God does that. He sends a deliverer, He sends Moses, of course. You know Many of us know the story, we know the background, and we read more about it, or we can learn more about it in the book of Exodus, and that's where we're going to jump into Scripture this morning, is in the book of Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to start reading in verse 3. And this is how, uh, this is after the Israelites have left Egypt, and now they've gone into what the Bible calls the wilderness. And this is their response, verse 3. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. They're grateful. They're they're extremely grateful. Yeah. Woe is me. They're grateful. They're they're, they're complaining. They're griping. They're grumbling. If only God had just killed us back in Egypt. Verse 4, continuing. There in Egypt, we sat around pots filled with meat hot dogs, you know, right? We sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread that we wanted. We were filled. We were filled up. We had all we wanted. We had this physical hunger, and man, we were taken care of, and we were not hungry. We sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you, and they were speaking to Moses, but they were also speaking to God. You have brought us into, the, brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. They are griping. They are complaining. They are not, uh, this is not the attitude that you would expect of people that have been brought out of enslavement of over 400 years. They are complaining. You brought us, Moses, to this table, and we expected something good. and There ain't no food, and we're about to starve. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. But God had a plan. God had a plan. God had food as part of His plan, and that food was called manna. Manna. (laughs) Tofu. Okay, it wasn't tofu, but we couldn't find any manna. We looked. Can't buy it. It's not at Walmart. We didn't really look. Maybe we we didn't. We just knew. We've never seen it. We've been to right. Walmart before. But, but God had a plan. He had food. It was called manna. And God literally, the, the, the old, old covenant tells us that God spread this manna out all over the ground to fill this emptiness, this physical void that the Israelites had. They were hungry. They had a void. So God filled it. He put this manna on the yeah. ground. He spread
1: it out. We have no idea what it was like. We you know, And in my mind when I see it I'm like Tofu. Maybe it was like tofu. I I, I don't know. That's what the picture I get. Vanessa thinks, oh, maybe like dumplings. Well, that makes more sense than tofu. But I have tofu here this morning. And so here's what happens as God meets this need for them. Day one, morning one, when this happens, here's how it goes down. Verse 15 of chapter 16. The Israelites were puzzled (laughs) when they saw it. It's like they were standing there. I can just imagine they're standing there looking at it. They're they're not sure what it is. It's like a calf looking at a new gate. Have you ever seen that? That's something to see. They're probably scratching their heads. Well, Jethro, I have no idea. I don't know what that is. Go get granny. I have no idea. And here's literally what Moses wrote. He said, this is what they said. What is it, they ask each other, and Moses said they had no idea what it was. I can only imagine they walk out, they see it, it's everywhere, and they're just like trying to figure out, so maybe perhaps they're poking it. <laughs> what is it? Look, at it bounces. I, what is that? Maybe they poke it with a stick, someone's trying to play frisbee, <clears throat> mm, didn't work. They have no idea what it is. They may not even know it's food. They don't know what to do. It wasn't, as far as they knew, it wasn't good for anything. And Moses comes to the rescue. Here's what he says. And Moses told them, it is the food, the food the Lord has given you to eat. Tofu? (laughs) Turns
0: out, believe it or not, the scripture tells us it wasn't tofu. It wasn't this. It, it might have looked like this, but it wasn't tofu. Uh, the scripture tells us that actually, not only was it not tofu, it was actually very nutritious. And more important than that even, it was delicious. It <laughs> tasted good. Uh, the, the scripture tells us that it tasted good, it was it was good for them, but they didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. The, the Israelites, I mean, remember, these are the people that for 400 plus years have been begging to be delivered out of enslavement. And as soon as they did, they started griping and complaining and moaning and groaning and saying, you just should have killed us when we were in Egypt. They didn't deserve the manna. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. In fact, they did the opposite. They griped and complained, and yet God still delivered. He still gave them what they needed. All they had to do was to go out and to pick it up. Just receive it. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness. He had them gather around His table, as we've been talking about now for four weeks. He had them gather around His table. They had a physical need, a physical void, a physical hunger, and God fed them.
1: He took care of it. Manna. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. That was a period of time in the Old Covenant. Now, We're going to flash forward a lot of years, and now we're going to go to the New Covenant, the New Testament times, which is marked by the birth of Jesus. And now Jesus is in his 30s, and he has begun his ministry. Jesus is on the scene. So that was in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Now we're flashing forward to Jesus and the New Covenant, the New Testament. And let me give you a heads up. The day before, Jesus has this conversation that we're getting ready to read. The day before, Jesus had just fed thousands of people with a little lunch from one little boy. And Jesus took it, multiplied it, and fed thousands and thousands of people. Now, the next day, Jesus is talking to these same people, and here's how the conversation goes. John chapter 6. Jesus replied to them. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me. Because I fed you, not because you understand these miraculous signs. He says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. So
0: really, Jesus is kind of flipping the script a little bit. He's changing the context. Back in the Exodus, the focus was on the physical need. They were hungry. They needed to be fed. And here Jesus is changing the context from the physical and now he's going to begin talking about spiritual. spiritually, saying, don't be con- so concerned about the physical things on this earth. And we continue on in verse 27, Jesus says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. And then if we jump a few verses forward into verse 30 of the same chapter, they answered, and I, I like this, to me, there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting the way the, the people answered Jesus here. They have some audacity yes. in, in the way they respond to Jesus. The, so they answered Jesus. So Jesus is teaching them. He's trying to explain to them. You're looking at things purely physical. I'm talking about things spiritual. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you, we, if you want us to believe in you. Show us the money, Right? Show us something, man. you got to show me something. Show us a miracle. What can you do? <laughs> They're asking Jesus, what can you do? After all, and then they go and they actually begin quoting Scripture. They begin quoting <laughs> Old Testament history, Old Covenant history to Jesus.
1: This can't go well.
0: It's not going to go well. <laughs> After all, they say, our ancestors ate manna. Right? Our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I was there. I got you. I was involved. Our ancestors ate manna. We had some things happen. We've seen some stuff, Jesus. The scriptures say, this is them talking to Jesus. The scriptures say, Jesus, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. It was a miracle, Jesus it was a sign from God, Jesus, and we want that sign here from God as well. Mm. In verse 32, Jesus said, and I, I like this, Jesus feels like this is almost like a dad moment to me, maybe. And, and I may, I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but I, I think we've got a little latitude. It's almost like a dad moment. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, you got this all wrong, guys. Moses did not give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now, and this is where he is again, he's trying to flip that script from the physical to the spiritual. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I can just see Jesus kind of trying to explain to them, saying, You know, you you want a sign? You want a sign. And then Jesus saying, I'm your sign. I am your sign. You want a miracle? That's what you want to see. You want to see a miracle. I am your miracle. He goes on in verse 33. He says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is saying, that manna that your ancestors ate, that bread, that that protein, that manna, they ate it. They had to go out the next morning and gather it up, pick it up again, and eat it again if they were going to stay alive. That's what they had to do. Jesus is saying, no, no, this bread that I'm talking about, it will not just give you life for one day. This will give you life forever. Our Sandlot friend. Sandlot. <laughs> It'll give you life forever, not just for one day. And Jesus is saying, Get this, it's not just for you Israelites. Jesus said, This is for the whole world. The whole world is invited to my table, Jesus is saying. And then this is their response Sir, they said, Give us that bread. Every day.
0: You see, because in their mind, again, they're still looking back. In their mind, manna was every day. We have a need. It needs to be filled. We go pick it up and we, we're fed and we're filled. It's an everyday thing. They were saying, sir, we want that manna that our ancestors experienced. Give us that manna bread every day so we can live. Because again, they're, they're still not getting it. They're still not connecting the dots that Jesus is trying to connect. So Jesus continues on in verse 35. Jesus replied, and, and that's almost like, you know, you feel like Jesus is almost going, <sighs> okay, <laughs> yeah, let's try this again. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus he came as the bread of life. Manna was an everyday thing. Every day. Every morning when the Israelites would wake up in the wilderness, six days a week anyway, they would go out and they would pick it up and they would be fed. They would have a void, a hunger, and that bread would fill it, and they would be satisfied until the next day, and then they would have to start the process over. Jesus is saying, I'm different. I'm just like manna in that I'm going to fill that void, But it's once and for all. It's once and for all time. So just like manna, Jesus is the bread of life. We can't earn it, just like the Israelites. We can't earn it. I don't deserve it, far from it. The opposite. I do not deserve it. And just like manna, all we've got to do is just stop and pick it up.
1: Yeah. And you know, this is what we tell everyone who comes to sit down at our table at Stuttgart Harvest Church. This is what we tell them. This is how we all become a Christ follower. It's the same for everyone. We all become a Christ follower this way. We accept his claim. His claim that he is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. And then we turn from our way... And we choose to turn the other direction and follow him and his way. We turn from following our way to his way. Now, these Israelites were saying to him, give us this bread every day. They were hungry in that moment. And it was this, even a spiritual hunger really, that was pushing them towards Jesus. For some of them on that day, like for us, they had some kind of pain in their life or in a relationship or or around their life, and that pain was, was compelling them to go to that table with Jesus. For others that day, like for some of us, There was simply this void in their life. Something was missing. They knew it was missing. They felt that it was missing. And they were compelled to go to that table because they felt maybe Jesus can fill that void. And that's the same for some of us today. But for all of them, as it is with us, it is ultimately a spiritual hunger of some kind.
0: And and they showed up. And they sat at his table. You know, I find that interesting because as we look at the the New Covenant Scripture that we're reading about, I would even venture to guess that there were probably some people listening to Jesus at that time, not even sure how they got there. How, How did I end up here listening to this guy? I'm not even sure how I ended up here. Sometimes there's probably people that walk through the doors at Stuttgart Harvest Church like, man, I'm not even sure why I'm here. just Here I am, you know. They just showed up at the table because they had a hunger. There There was a need there. And for those that were talking to Jesus and today for those that are experiencing what we're talking about or have experienced what we're talking about today who have chosen to accept the bread of life have chosen to accept Jesus and have chosen to freely pick up what he's offering and to go from the direction that they were currently going on to pivot and to begin following him, something happened. Lives began to change. Their lives began to change. It didn't happen overnight, but it began to happen, and then it continues to happen. It's the same way for me. When I became a follower of Jesus and I pivoted and I began following Him, it didn't happen overnight, but it continually happens every day as my life is changing. So it really comes down to a bottom line this morning for us. Our hunger will eventually lead us to Jesus. The question is, what will we do with Him? The Israelites had a physical hunger and it led them to the table and God provided manna. We have a spiritual hunger, a spiritual void that eventually at some point will lead us to Jesus. It's the reason many people find themselves at Stuttgart Harvest Church and many churches around this area. They're just looking for something. They're just searching and sometimes they're not even sure what it is. They don't even know what is it that I'm looking for. But their hunger eventually leads them to Jesus. And then the question becomes, as they're sitting around the table, as they're sitting around our table here at Suggard Harvest Church, the question becomes, what are we going to do with him? And, and so that really brings it down to, to me and to you today. That really kind of uh, gets it to our level. Everything we've been talking about to this point is about the Israelites and the Exodus and the and the uh, the people in the first century that Jesus was talking to. But now we come to today and we come to how Jesus is trying to relate to you and he's trying to relate to me. And we can jump now into the very last book of the Bible, number 66, Revelation. We don't, we don't talk about Revelation often at Stuttgart Harvest Church. We don't jump into Revelation often, but this specific verse is one of the more well known. It's Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. And to give a little bit of context about this the revelation was written by the disciple, by the apostle John. John at the time that he was writing this was actually in exile and he was, he was on an island, he had been exiled. And John, church tradition tells us, might have been one of or maybe the only apostle who did not die a horrible tragic death he actually might have been the only one that lived into old age um and john in fact was probably if not one Jesus's best friend he was one of Jesus's closest friends in fact as Jesus was dying on the cross and I'm paraphrasing but as Jesus was dying on the cross he looks down at John and he basically says to John John take care of my mama you I need you to take care of my mama for me so they were close and so John is writing the revelation and he's writing it to us he's writing it to the church but It's Jesus that's doing the speaking here in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And he's inviting us. And this is what it says. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So again, everything we've talked about has been Jesus talking to others, other generations, other times. This is literally Jesus talking to me. This is Jesus talking to you. This is Jesus talking to Stuttgart Harvest Church. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He's knocking on the door and he'll come in. And he'll join us at our table here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. He'll sit down with us at the table. He'll sit down with us. He'll connect with us. He'll relate to us. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. And if we are willing to accept it, he'll forgive us of our sins. And He'll give us life with Him forever. So as we kind of break down to the me and the you part of what we're talking about this morning, that really is the question. This morning and going forward, if you have never done that, if you have never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus, the question is, what will you do today with Jesus?
1: The Israelites looked at Jesus and they said, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. And they say, what can you do? And they weren't getting it. Jesus was offering to make them the miracle. Jesus was offering to miraculously forgive them of their sins and to change their lives forever. He was offering to show them a miracle, and they were going to be the miracle if they would allow it. Can you imagine how our lives could be different? And we're not talking about being easier. We're talking about how our lives could be fulfilling and satisfied instead of having that constant emptiness in life. How we have the potential because of what Jesus is offering to us to make us that miracle that they were asking for. That we could wake up if we choose to follow him every day waking up knowing that we have a purpose for that day as we follow Jesus every day. All because we have chosen to sit at the table with Jesus and, and become a follower of His. And that's what we're asking this morning. If you have never made that clear choice, perhaps you'll do that with us right now today. Now, if you have already made that choice for yourself, then I'm going to ask you to do this. Just as you have your eyes open and you're looking this way, I, I'm going to ask in your heart, will you silently pray for someone who's near you? Either they're sitting on your left or your right. Maybe they're in front of you. Well, you just pray that, God would, uh, that they would respond however God is asking them to respond. Pray for them right now as I'm talking. If you have not yet made that decision to follow Jesus, to give Him your life and, and to say, yeah, 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 yes, He did die on the cross for me to forgive me of my sins, and I am choosing to leave my way and follow His way. If you've never done that, I- I'm going I'm to give you the opportunity this morning to do that, if that is what you're ready to do. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I call it a Me Too prayer. It just simply means I- I'm going to say some words that are going to put in into um to take action and put it into words so maybe it will explain what your heart is kind of crying out to do and if what i am saying is what your heart is longing for then you just simply in your heart silently in your mind as you talk to jesus alongside of me you're saying this me too god that's me what 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 harley is saying right there me too count me in on that me too so i call it a me too prayer now, these words, are, they're not a magic spell. It's not something that, oh, okay, so if I say that, then I'm good with God, right? No, no, he's looking at your heart. Do you mean it? Are you putting your action behind it? Yes, I'm going to follow him. If that's you, then I encourage you just to pray with me right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and just simply, this is called a Me Too Prayer. And before we do that, here's my request. If you do pray that with me, this is the reason we said don't hit submit on that card yet. If you accidentally did, then quickly, after we're done, fill out another one because we need to know this. We want to know this and encourage you. Let us know on that connection card. If it's the written one, write it down. It's on the back. There's a place for you to mark it where it says, I'm making Jesus the boss of my life. I'm choosing to follow him. If it's the digital version, there's a place for you to mark it. It's down there with the next steps. Just check that box and and then hit submit. But let's pray. If you're going to join me in that prayer, it's a Me Too prayer. Prayer. Let's pray. God, I have lived my life my way, and I, I know that you love me. That you sent Jesus, your son, to die for me so that I can connect with you. And right now, I want to give you, Jesus, control of me. Control of my life. I want to make you, Jesus, the boss of my life. And I'm choosing right now to follow you every day. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me enough that you chose to suffer and die to pay for my sins. Thank you for walking out of that grave three days later alive with your heart beating. And right now, Jesus, I am turning from living my life my way, and I am turning to follow you, Jesus. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen.